Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to a mini episode of Cinematic Universe, the podcast that's all about comic book movies, brought to you by FilmDivider.com. I'm your host, Joe Cunningham, and I'll be bringing you a truncated version of the show to bridge the gap between our Age of Ultron and Daredevil bonus episode, and Ghost Rider episode. On today's show, I'll give you my reactions to the comics that Seven James recommended to me on the Age of Ultron podcast. Those were Hawkeye, Issues 1-6, and Ultron Unlimited. And just one additional little piece of housekeeping before we begin. I know I had promised that I was going to be also covering um, Charlie Cox's Daredevil recommendation. Um, he specifically mentioned End of Days, which I am currently reading. Um, unfortunately, I just haven't been able to read it all in time. So apologies for that. I will review that on a future episode of the show, but I thought I would finish reading the whole thing rather than do you a disservice and cover half of it so daredevil slightly delayed but we will have um age of ultron comic book recommendations coming right up but before we get to those let's take a look at some of the comic book movie news that has broken over the past two weeks Okay, let's kick things off with Suicide Squad, because after giving us our first look at a tattoo Jared Leto as the Joker, director David Ayer has assembled his Suicide Squad together for a group shot, which gives us our first look at nine of the characters. Will Smith is bald and beardy as Deadshot. Joel Kinnaman is in tactical gear to play Rick Flagg. Jai Courtney's Captain Boomerang is sporting the always classic leather coat over a tracksuit jacket look. And Adewale Akinori Agbaje's Killer Croc is a scaly, and I think kind of awesome creation. And it was his outlandish, but not too outlandish character design that caught my eye the most. Also pictured are Adam Beach and Jay Hernandez, who we believe are Slipknot and El Diablo respectively. As for the female characters, I think in the coming weeks and months we're probably heading towards a number of debates about whether they are too sexualized. Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn kind of looks fantastic until you kind of realise that she's pretty much just wearing sparkly pants and heels from the waist down. And then Cara Delevingne's Enchantress looks like she might also be wearing a costume that could pass for lingerie. Frankly, that's not the case for all of the female characters. Um, and the latest confirmed member of the team is newcomer Karen Fukuhara's Katana, who is wearing some very comic book faithful attire. Personally, uh, generally, I'd like to have seen a lot more colour from these costumes, but to give them the benefit of the doubt, it looks like the image could possibly make them all appear a bit darker than they actually are. And on a wholeheartedly positive note... 
it is a very diverse team, and David Ayer certainly looks like he's going to deliver something distinctive and unlike any other superhero movie I can think of today. So that has to be a good thing for the genre, unless it's terrible. <laughs> okay, um, Avengers Age of Ultron has now been released in most territories around the world. And while the film failed to pass the mark set by its predecessor to score the highest ever opening weekend in the US, it still has made an awful, awful lot of money and will continue to make an awful, awful lot of money and could be the second or third highest grossing movie of all time by the time it's done. Joss Whedon has had a lot to say about making the film in interviews over the past few weeks. We would be hours here if we tried to recap all of it. Um, so instead, I'm going to recommend that you listen to his interview on Empire's Age of Ultron spoiler special podcast. Obviously, listen to our spoiler-filled reaction episode first, though, and then go listen to Joss on Empire. Also on the Age of Ultron press tour... Um, um, around all those faux pas and controversies, Elizabeth Olsen confirmed that she would be back for Civil War, which should really come as no surprise to any of us who have seen the film and the new Avengers lineup who assemble at the end of the movie. You'd be stunned if any of those characters weren't present in Civil War. So we'd expect all of those to be back alongside Captain America, Iron Man, and of course, in some capacity, Hawkeye, Black Panther, Spider-Man, and surely the Winter Soldier, right? On the villain side, we're expecting to see Frank Grillo's Crossbones alongside Daniel Brühl, who has confirmed that he will be playing Baron Helmut Zemo in the film. And I'm told that there is more than one Baron Zemo, so that, that the, the helmet part is important. And late-breaking news is that Martin Freeman will also be appearing in the film. We don't know the role, but, but yeah, that's a casting announcement that... Is very exciting. Martin Freeman and everything, please. We expect we'll hear a bunch more character confirmations as this grows ever closer to becoming Avengers 2.5. Uh, we mentioned Spider-Man briefly there, and not only will we be seeing a live-action solo movie after Civil War, but Spidey will also be coming to the big screen in animated form. The movie, which has Phil Lord and Chris Miller attached as producers alongside Avi Arad, Matt Tolmack and Amy Pascal, will be arriving in 2018, um, and Lord Miller will also be writing a treatment for the movie. Um, maybe we'll hear that they'll be announced as directors further down the line if they get really attached to the project. The movie will not be in continuity with the live-action films, but I think that leaves Sony with a pretty exciting outlet to promote or test out some of the more obscure or challenging characters and aspects of the Spideyverse before potentially introducing them into the live-action movies later on. Who knows, maybe this could be a, a good way to introduce Miles Morales to audiences, for example. Ryan Phillippe has revealed that he's been talking to Marvel about potentially appearing in one of their Netflix shows during an interview with Howard Stern. Uh, speculation since has naturally focused on the possibility of Philippi playing Iron Fist, who I only learned wasn't an Asian character when reading this news. So it shows, despite me getting into comics, I've still got a long way to go. The possibility remains that he could be discussing a non-lead hero in one of the Luke Cage, Iron Fist, Daredevil Season 2 or Defenders shows, um, or maybe even a villain too. Whether this comes off or not, if you can't wait to see Philippi playing a mass vigilante, then go and hunt down the movie Franklin, which I think is a slightly underrated gem. Um, it also stars Eva Green, so you really have no excuse. 
And finally, Brian Singer continues to unveil his new raft of X-Men characters, and he's now shown as Cody Smith-McPhee as a very blue and bamfing young Nightcrawler, as well as Sophie Turner and Lana Condor in full costume behind the scenes on the new film. I'm not quite sure what to make of Nightcrawler yet, but Jubilee and Jean Grey look fantastic in their 1983-appropriate garb. And I think if this week's Minnesota has taught us anything... It's that I love colourful superhero costumes. So Sophie Turner with her flaming red hair and Lana Condor with her fluorescent yellow jacket. Yes, yes, I'm I'm very happy about that. I know we're about 15 years removed from the old lever of X-Men now, but I'm still excited to see colour in that franchise. Okay, that's it for this week's comic book movie news. Let's move on now to discussing this week's comic book recommendations. So, Seb's recommendation spinning off from Age of Ultron was to recommend Hawkeye issues 1 to 6 from Matt Fraction, David Ayer, and Matt Hollingsworth. So, this this was Seb basically reacting to my very vocal love of Hawkeye in Avengers Age of Ultron. Um, I described him as the MVP of the piece. They really nailed that character in the movie. I loved that he was the human, relatable piece of this team of superheroes. So, this was... This was already um, on solid footing as a recommendation to me. And as I mentioned last week, I'd heard about this comic before and heard very good things. And it really did not disappoint. Just, you know, I I read these issues on um, the Marvel Unlimited app um, and just bringing up Hawkeye and looking at all of the covers of these issues next to each other on the app together... They look absolutely gorgeous. The The design is, you know, it's really pared back, really stark and striking. And I was just enjoying kind of looking at the colour progression through the issues and the way that one cover might relate to the next in some small way. So it took me a while before I even got reading the issue. And then actually, when you open the first page of every comic, you get this great little spiel about what the comic is. And in fact, um, I, I can probably read this now. So we get Clint Barton, a.k.a. Hawkeye, became the greatest sharpshooter known to man. He then joined the Avengers. This is what he does when he's not been an Avenger. Um, and because this is what I'm reading, this is the second issue I'm reading. It then says, didn't we cover all of this the last time? It's a great way to kind of get across the tone before you've even started reading the comic. And and the, those little pithy introductions are, are there across, uh, I think, all but one of the comics that I read. So, yeah, I was I was very quickly on board. Now, James warned me last week that these comic, the, the first issue of this comic was very non-linear. Um, and he's right, but I did get my head around it. I worked out, you know, what the order of it was. And, you know, it's something that the, the issues kind of do regularly throughout. Um, and it, it's, I, I feel like it's always comprehensible. I wasn't always sure why it was doing it, especially in this first issue, other than to be a little bit flashy, a little bit quirky, uh, to maybe make what is, I think, in the first issue particularly a very standard story, maybe a little bit more surprising, a little bit more interesting just in its form. Uh, because it's it's basically it's Hawkeye gets back to the building where he lives and the his fellow tenants have been charged triple the rent. So he goes to the guys that are doing that, tries to buy them off. They won't accept that. Fisticuffs ensue, and then a, a poor defenseless dog is who tries to help out Hawkeye, who belongs to the gangsters, is then uh, hit and thrown in front of a car, and um, Hawkeye saves it 
uh, by taking it to the vet. Um, and I kind of love the parallel between the dog and Hawkeye. You know, this this beat-up character. He's kind of brave, but foolhardy and very fallible, but very lovable at the same time. The, the Hawkeye of these comics is very much the everyman hero that, that Jeremy Renner's Hawkeye becomes in Age of Ultron. He's kind of a, a man of the people, a champion of the working class, um, the kind of guy you can really root for and identify with because he's he's kind of a little bit shit at times so many of the issues open with the line this looks bad this looks very bad um (laughs) it's constantly hawkeye doing stuff wrong i think he gets knocked out cold in every single issue that i read um he takes a real beating but having said that i never i didn't feel like this was renner's hawkeye in general that i was reading on the page and obviously this guy is not a married man with kids either this is a bachelor hawkeye who has this relationship with a character called kate who from what i could gather was maybe a member of young avengers who was also has taken on the hawkeye guys at some point in the past so by the time that she's introduced to the comic, they're kind of both Hawkeye and they're trailed as that at the start of the issue. The, the comic is called Hawkeye, but kind of, while it refers to Clint Barton more, it also refers to Kate. So yeah, I, I didn't really feel this was the Renner version. I kind of, like, I, I, I was doing that thing that I did way back with Velvet where I was dreamcasting it in my head. And in, in my head, I had someone like Guy Pearce or Stephen Dorff being this version of Hawkeye, a little bit older, a little bit a little bit grizzled. Um, and then Kate, well, she, she's explicitly mentioned to be young and posh, but with the propensity to be a total badass at times. And I was thinking of actresses like Jessica Brown Findlay or Tuppence Middleton. Basically, young, posh, attractive British actresses is where I was going with it. But also people that have got a little bit of a little bit of zest to them. And I think, yeah, uh, Jessica Brown Findlay and Tuppence Middleton potentially. I was also thinking Felicity Jones, but this this seems this is very episodic as Hawkeye, so I had a TV series in my mind, not not a film, and Felicity Jones is an Oscar nominee now, and she's going to be in a Star Wars film. She won't be wasting her time with my Hawkeye TV show that I've dreamt up and will never happen. Um, but yeah, so I kind of I kind of loved this as it went on. There was lots of references to kind of late 60s, early 70s, kind of new Hollywood movies. There was Butch Cassidy and Point Blank and Blade Runner. And in fact, at one point, Kate is... A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Not explicitly mentioned, but she kind of dresses up like Pris from Blade Runner. Um, there is a car that has been ripped from Vanishing Point. There's there's loads of these references and you... you I, I think the idea is to say that, you know, this is kind of the world that this Hawkeye lives in. He kind of is in one of those, like, early 70s thrillers. He, it's, again, very James Bondy at times. I feel like I keep reading comic books that, ha- that have James Bond in their DNA, um, and that's no bad thing. Um, I like that. But kind of like Clint Barton is an incompetent James Bond. <laughs> but he's also, he's, he's, kind of, he's kind of got the wit... Um, or at least the the writing of the comics has the wit of James Bond. I felt like really there was a lot of mirth in the narration. There's some really funny ways to replace dialogue uh, whenever there's insults flying around. Uh, Matt Fraction finds some very witty ways to to uh, to work around that. And uh, yeah, I was I was reading this thinking this is my kind of funny comic book like. Uh, Deadpool never really did it for me on the funny level when I read those couple of issues, but I found myself pausing and giggling through Hawkeye in the in the same amount of time. So I really liked that. And I, I probably don't need to go into the specifics of the individual issues, but um, I kind of think, needless to say, I, I really enjoyed all of them. There was an appearance from Kingpin, and I actually quite liked that as the issues were building, it was almost that Hawkeye was um, acquiring more and more people that he pissed off along the way and every time that something happened there was someone else who wanted to turn up and uh and get back at him for something he'd done in a previous issue and we're only five or six issues in the third issue in fact had um hawkeye listing through the nine dumbest things he'd done in a day um and i quite liked that this was the second matt fraction comic that i'd read the first one was five nightmares so i've gone from five nightmares to the nine dumbest things which is a lovely progression. Um, and talking of Iron Man, there's a lovely moment in the sixth issue where Hawkeye calls Iron Man to help him set up his TV and DVR and untangle wires because surely that is what Iron Man helps out with. This is It's that lovely theme running through this comic book of, you know, what is Hawkeye doing when he's not with the Avengers? He can't live a normal life as much as he wants to try um, and he's going to get into av- adventures. But he doesn't quite have the latitude when he's not with the Avengers to get away with some of the stuff that he might do as part of that team, or he doesn't have the backup. But also, on the flip side, he can do stuff that might be morally questionable when he's with the Avengers. So he steals a whole lot of money from some bad guys at some points, um, and he uh, resorts to violence when he might not need to. But yeah, I uh, I really enjoyed Hawkeye, and um, I think this is this is another one alongside Velvet and Daredevil that are probably my favourite things I've read so far. And I will be reading at least all of Matt Fraction's run on Hawkeye um, on Marvel Unlimited. I will um, keep pressing through, and I might even buy them uh, physical copies because man, those covers look stunning. Let's move on now to James's recommendation, which is Ultron Unlimited. So this is a four-issue story arc from The Avengers, issues 19 to 22, I think, of like around the 1998-1999 kind of era, uh, from Kurt Busiek and George Perez. So James recommended this because it had a lot of aspects that 
showed back up in Age of Ultron, kind of the Eastern European base for Ultron, the army of robots that he creates, uh, the idea that he can't, he wants to wipe out humanity, but he's doing it for reasons, kind of motivations of getting back at his creator, who in, in the comics is Hank Pym rather than... Um, Tony Stark. But I think almost uh, in, in a kind of funny way, this kind of does a lot of the stuff that I didn't really like in Age of Ultron. And I think it suffers from some of the same problems that Age of Ultron suffers from, but almost to a greater extent. I was surprised actually that on the page, the problems, you know, the slight problems that I had with Age of Ultron felt almost magnified. First of the four issues starts on Black Panther, and I'm reading this thinking, oh, Black Panther on the page for the first time. I'm going to get to know this character who I've, I've never, you know, read anything of before. And at the end of four issues, I went, well, man, I really still don't know Black Panther, do I? Uh, I don't really know what he thinks or feels about things. I don't know what his powers are. I I don't know what motivates him. I don't know why he's part of the Avengers. I don't know what role he really had to play in this story, but he's totally there, I guess. The other characters that are present for the story, uh, so there are two characters who I'd not heard of before called Justice and Firestar, who I, I kind of got the idea that they were kind of like new recruits to the Avengers and that maybe they were kind of like a way into the story for newcomers, maybe. I don't know, This these kind of like, they, they were experiencing being part of the Avengers for the first time, but I didn't really like them, which was a problem. The rest of the team is made up of Captain America, Thor, and Iron Man. They're kind of the the leaders of the team. And then there is Scarlet Witch, Vision, Wonder Man, Wasp, and Giant Man, because um, Hank Pym is Giant Man at this point and not Ant-Man. And so it becomes clear that Ultron is attacking. And when they go for their first showdown with uh, Ultron, it's actually not Ultron. It's Alkima. Alkima? Um, A female version of Ultron. And when she showed up, I already knew that she was a female version of Ultron because two pages earlier, we had spent an entire page of exposition explaining all the various different versions of himself that Ultron had created at certain points. And Alchemo is kind of like, was his wife, but now she's fallen out with him and doesn't like him and she just wants to wipe out the Avengers first. And there was there was just so many words on all the pages and so much exposition and thoughts were being spoken aloud and the, the subtext was being made explicit on the page and I just I just found myself slogging through the first couple of issues going oh well I mean, I mean this there's plot there's definitely a lot of plot and I, I'm getting through it and I'm reading an Ultron story but I'm not getting to know any of the characters and I'm not really getting involved in a particularly interesting or exciting story because it it seemed to me like this was saying, oh, well, there's been loads of adventures with Ultron before where we've kind of explored the ideas of him rebelling against his father, his creator in Hank Pym, and that there had been a story, you know, he'd created Vision, he'd done this and that, and he created his wife. And it was, it was like, so this is just an other, another Ultron story. So... Even Ultron himself, who is the centre of the piece, doesn't really... He, he didn't really feel... I didn't really understand why he was doing what he was doing. Or if I did understand it, it, it wasn't particularly interesting. It was generic evil with a bit of daddy issues thrown in. But the fact that Hank Pym doesn't really have any impact on the comic or isn't 
in the comic until two and a half issues through and then really doesn't do a lot meant that 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 relationship didn't mean anything to me as someone who'd who'd only read these issues of the Avengers. I did appreciate that the comic kept giving me context for what was happening on the page and telling me what happened in previous adventures and and why all that stuff had happened, why this is important and why these characters might feel these ways about each other. But it was just so much backstory and exposition. And at some points I was just thinking, oh, just confuse me, just confuse me, but explore more interesting stuff. You don't have to spend a page where, or two pages even, where Wasp explains why Hank Pym, her entire history with him and and his history with Ultron. And I just started to get really weighed down with it. And then it was all happening around a bunch of action. So there was there was just no time to to really dig into any of the characters in any depth at any part of the story. In, in terms of the plot, I mean... <laughs> Ultron commits genocide. He wipes out an entire country. Um, Slurenia um, is is called, um, and he he just wipes that out within. You know, it's it's happened by the end of the first issue, and the Avengers haven't been able to stop it. So I guess that they're they're avenging that event. But it kind of it kind of made me feel well. Well, they've already lost. Uh, they can defeat Ultron, but this you, you you can't celebrate here. You you've missed Ultron wiping out an entire country of people. That's horrible. But there is a there's a great cliffhanger at the end of the third issue where we've just spent an entire issue watching the Avengers take out one Ultron only for hundreds of them to show up and you go they just spent that entire issue killing one how are they how are they going to handle hundreds in the space of just one more issue when I know this story has to end and I assume they're going to win I mean it's going to take some impressive writing to to figure that out and ultimately I kind of felt a little bit betrayed by that as well that we're then told essentially most of those hundreds of Ultron aren't made of vibranium like uh, like the earlier one was and like the main Ultron is so they can be destroyed by Thor like it's going to be a hard battle but they can be destroyed so then we have mostly all hinges on whether the main Ultron can be destroyed Um, And there is actually um, a really strong page where Vision tries to talk Ultron down, which is a very small exploration, but it is an exploration of a father-son dynamic that works very well. And it it works better than the one between Hank Pym and Ultron, who, again, I just didn't think that Hank Pym really made any kind of impact in in this story at at all. And and I kind of felt myself pining for more of the Vision Ultron stuff in in a way that I did in the film, that I was like, oh, I wish we could have explored that more, or I wish we could have explored Tony and Ultron more. But all of that stuff got pushed to one side to do more action and to try and service all of the characters in a small way rather than giving certain characters, you know, really strong focus, which is something I felt the movie stumbled on and this is to an even greater degree here. And ultimately it comes down to the Justice character turning up with a massive deus ex machina um, to eventually defeat Ultron. They give Hank the actual moment of defeating Ultron, which, again, I'm, I'm, maybe if you'd read decades or, you know, just maybe even just a few more Avengers comics than I had or Ant-Man comics or anything, that that would have meant more to you. But to me, even knowing the context, it, it didn't really ring massively true. Yeah, and that was kind of true the whole way through this story. Like, I appreciated seeing an Ultron story on the page, and Ultron has a really cool, like, maniacal design, but 
yeah, I felt this was the problem. This this kind of highlighted the problems I had with the movie um, on a much larger scale. And I was actually more impressed with what G- Joss Whedon managed to do, the amount of stuff that he managed to get in, considering considering how difficult it obviously proved on the page. So yeah, I'm not I'm not sure whether I'll be reading more Avengers until Seven James recommends some on the show. Um, I'd be re- I, I would be interested to read some 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 great Avengers stories, but I don't think it's the kind of book that I would want to slog through on a monthly basis but that is it for this week's cinematic universe don't forget that on our next episode we'll be covering ghost rider uh which um, i'm very excited about the introduction of nicholas cage to the cinematic universe canon um if you are enjoying the show then please do subscribe on itunes stitcher player fm or your podcast app of choice and if you've already subscribed then please leave us a rating or review and we'll give you a shout out on a future show. You can find more episodes of Cinematic Universe on cinematicuniverse.libsyn.com, panelbeats.co.uk, or, as we're a Film Divider podcast, at filmdivider.com. You can get in touch via Facebook, on Twitter, at cu underscore podcast, or send us an email to cinematicuniversepod at gmail.com. See you next week. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTER Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style.